Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we help make families the best they can be. We're starting a new series of podcasts we're calling The Parenting Sessions. The series will focus on parenting and raising children and provide practical, real-world advice. I hope you enjoy. I'm David Ahern. Welcome back to the Parenting Sessions. Today we're again talking to Robin Mills, who's a founding member of Win Win Parenting and a grandmother of six, which is uh, absolutely perfect for this podcast because we're talking about grandparents. Welcome back, Robin. Thank you, David. How lucky am I that I've got almost six grandchildren. I know. Unbelievable. I don't have one yet, so I'm very envious, but uh, that's fantastic. (laughs) Your time will come. Yes, I'm sure it will. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, Robin, what special gifts do grandparents offer their grandchildren? And you, you will know this because, as you said, you're almost, uh, well, the six ones on the way. That's right. Yeah. I can offer them things that I've experienced in my life and hopefully things that I've managed to heal so that perhaps they don't have to go through the same pain that I would have gone through, able to teach them the gaps that I had in my learnings to make sure that they don't have those gaps in theirs. Okay. And how old are your grandchildren while we're talking about I your... thought you were going to ask me how old was I. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wouldn't be so rude. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, my grandchildren are all under 10. So, um, so no, I have an 11-year-old, a 10-year-old, 9, uh, 7 and 3. Beautiful. And one that's due in April. Oh, how wonderful. So that would make you about 50 then. That's, <laughs> that's right. I'm young, 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 young. young. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's lovely. So as a grandparent yourself now, Robin, and uh, having more life experiences, I imagine that knowledge would have been invaluable when as a young mother you were raising your three daughters. Well, certainly, David, I wasn't a saint when I was a mother. I was um, busy. I was frustrated. I still hadn't healed my own troubles along the way. And so I would often be yelling at my children not to do something or Um, that's not the way you should do things, I've taught you better than that, Like just not being that 100% present and from the heart when your kids are doing whatever it is that they're doing. Because, of course, the busier you are, the more behavioural problems your kids are going to show you because they actually need you. They don't need you to be busy elsewhere. They need you to be present to them. So certainly I am a way better grandmother than I ever was as a mother. Mm. Are you are you being a bit harsh on yourself, or do you, is that? <laughs> no, no, I don't think I'm being harsh. I, I was busy and frustrated a lot of the time. I had three children under three Goodness. because I thought babies were cute, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then they become toddlers, and then they start fighting, and then you know it just. It's If you were just at home and looking after your children and that was your one focus, it would be a lot easier. But when you're um, trying to work full time, study, do all those things and your attentions are divided in way too many directions and I can see that that's where children are now, David, that my children, who are way better parents than I ever, ever was, you know, I look at them and go, how did they get that good? at parenting, but they're still busy and they're still distracted from time to time. And when I see that, it reminds me of who I remember myself to be. 
Yeah, well, you obviously you obviously succeeded in many respects. If your daughters then are great parents, thank you. They are great parents. They're more understanding. They're present. They try to nut things out for their children. I mean, of course, we all get frustrated, and they get frustrated too. But isn't it usually when you've got a deadline to meet, or you want to do something else for yourself, and you feel like the children are taking the time away from what you want to spend your time on. But as grandparents, you have all this time. Normally, you have all this time. So where your kids are time poor, you're um, you're time plenty. So this is great. So that's why I just love being present to my grandchildren and watching them. And even when they say something ridiculous, my heart's laughing because you know that they're just learning and that you're going to help them um, learn in a different or a better way. So what I really love is that I get to spend the time with them. I'm not responsible for their washing, their cleaning, or any of those other things. And I think I heard Tony say, you know, you can spoil them. You know, like one of your jobs is that you can spoil them. Sure. I'm not always allowed to spoil them with food. I get into a little bit of trouble if I step over that line. And David, one of the things is that I have three daughters and three son-in-laws. So they all have different beliefs about parenting. So I can't put the one stamp on how I'm going to treat the children because, you know, one allows them to have chocolate, one doesn't allow them to have chocolate. You know, one allows more time on electronics, one really limits it. So you have to actually be able to stand for what the parents want and put your stamp on at the same way. But you can't change the rules of the parenting that the parents have put in place. Would you agree? Oh, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm not a grandparent, but I mean, the, the parents do have every right to uh, have their children grow up the way they want to. So that would be an interesting uh, exercise in itself, just uh, laying down the ground rules and what you can do for each of your grandchildren, I imagine. Well, it's a minefield. It can be a little minefield sometimes because you might not agree with a strategy that one of your children has put in place, but it's their strategy. It's their parenting belief. It's the way they want to bring up their children. So you have to work, certainly work around that. And that flexibility, because as a grandparent, I have some pretty strong ideas. <laughs> so you have to step back from your own strong ideas and go, well, This is what they've chosen, so I have to work around that to the best of my ability and uphold their beliefs. So you don't have to believe their belief, but you have to uphold it. So if they're not allowed to do something, they're not allowed to do something. And that's that's just the bottom line, isn't it? So I can get away with a chocolate ice cream or (laughs) doing something special, but I can't be feeding them things that aren't good for their health because I don't want that, but neither do my children. Yeah, the chocolate ice cream sounds good, but perhaps uh, 10, 10 minutes before dinner might not be the best yeah. time. Would that be right? <laughs> That's right. Time appropriate, absolutely yeah. appropriate. Yeah. But you learn and, those things as you go along, I'm sure. And you don't want your child running up and going, can we go for ice cream? Can we go for ice cream? You also want your relationship to be built on a lot of other things other than just spoiling them. Yep. Yeah. Now, Robin, do you think there's a greater demand on grand? grandparents today because of the need in some households for both parents to work? Oh, absolutely. And and also this, uh, especially there's a lot of grandparents 
involved in picking up children after school, having them till the parents get home, perhaps um, giving them tea, getting them in their pyjamas, like, you know, especially before COVID when people were perhaps catching the train into the city. So there's, you know, 45 minutes to get to work, 45 minutes after work. So it's not even like they're just away for the eight or nine hours of work, but you have to add all that travelling in. So sometimes they're away from their children for long periods of time. So that after-school care um, can be really, really important because when kids have had issues at school, they're going to come home and tell that family member. And I can give you an example of something that um, shows that when you have to be really careful as a grandparent. One of my grandchildren come home, he had a mark on his face, looked like he'd be in a physical altercation. He wasn't himself. He didn't want to talk to me. Um, and my daughter was at work. Now, as a psychologist and a grandmother, I wanted to get in their boots and all, nut out what was going on, help him fix it, do all those things. But the little voice in the back of my head saying, you know that your daughter would be wanting to sort this out and not you. She feels bad because she's at work and she wants to be here after school sorting out the problems. So um, I rang her and told her what I thought was going on. She um, said, I'll leave work and come home. So she left work. She came home. She listened to him. Yes, a boy at school had actually belted him up. And the headmaster had actually said that it had nothing to do with my grandson, that he was winning the ball. The other kid got angry and started hitting him. He didn't want to tell me. And he was worried that that would influence me not to like the boy. See how careful you have to be? Yeah, absolutely. And, And my daughter, she was really pleased that she was the one that got to help him come to terms with it, help him work out what to do and what to say and to help him feel safe. Okay. So as a grandparent, I want to fix it, but there are times when I have to know to step back and allow the parent to do what the parent wants to do. Mm. And that would be hard, I imagine, especially if your natural inclination is to go in there, boots and all, to try and help your grandchild. Yes, yes, and that is me too. I like going in boots and all and helping people sort things out. But I guess as I get older and I understand my children more, I know what their needs are too and you don't want to step on their needs. You don't want to step on their parenting strategies or their need to be the central point that their children go to. I think it's really important to see this too when there's a two-parent house, a different household. So they go to one house one week and the other house the next week. And so if you're the grandparent that one week, you have to give the space for your um, child to be able to do their parenting and not be the central point while they're working. So you can see how it can be complicated, but don't be distracted by the complications. It's the best gift that you can have. Yeah, no, absolutely. You sort of uh, half answered this next question, but it is a, a fine balancing act, isn't it, between sharing your wisdom, your experience and the time you devote to the grandkids? It certainly is because, you know, you love your children and you love your grandchildren. And so you have to really know them. I think if you really know your children and you know how they like to be in the world and 
what their role as a parent is, then you're pretty safe. But remember, you might not know your son-in-laws or daughter-in-laws as well, and you might be more tempted to be less um, controlling or stepping in or um, step back a little bit because you don't want to upset the apple cart. So the more open relationship you can have with your um, step you know, your in-laws, the better off you're going to be. So, and then when there's the two parent families, of course, now you're dealing perhaps with another um, family and that person might've remarried and that's another family. So before you know it, this child has a lot of influences in your life and you might be the balancing force between all of them. Yeah, that's a big responsibility, isn't it? Hmm. Well, if you're an overthinker like me, it's, <laughs> it's a big responsibility because I just want to help my grandchildren be the best version of themselves that they can be. And that's what I see my primary role as, to have these kids. I know we talk about spoil as a word, but for me, it's to help them feel loved by me and and know that I can help them be the best version of themselves they can be, you know, and their, their parents can help them do all those things as well. But I particularly want to help them be a person that's going to be part of building humanity and being a loving, kind person in the world, respectful. I love teaching that respect. I can't argue with that. I mean, respect is uh, one of those words that's bandied about a bit but it's just so important isn't it mm. and it certainly is David and how I start that off with just even the three-year-old is whenever her mother passes her something I say thank you mummy and of course she goes thank you mummy um so that now instantly whenever someone passes her something she goes thank you it's just that respect that's built in that it's a neural pathway that we've built for her that as someone passes you something, you always say thank you. It's just a natural thing. So um, it's building that step by step by step. So if she's if she was to say something to another child that we thought was hurtful or mean or, well, no, that's an important thing that I just said, that we might imagine that she's being mean and that's a really judgmental word because a three-year-old's really not being mean. They're just learning ways of communicate of communicating and so if you are able to say to them or oh, let's see if we can think of a, a another way of saying that what if we were to say excuse me I'd like to play with that next can you please give it to me in a few minutes when you finish rather than I want it now and snatching it so it's those yes. little moments David yes absolutely now you mentioned the s word so I'll continue with it spoil <laughs> spoil yes. Do grandparents have the right to spoil their grandchildren? <laughs> uh, um, I think we have the right to help our grandchildren be the best version they can be. But I think spoil has that connotation that no matter what, it, they, what they want, I'm going to give it to them, which my children actually do say that I do. They say that when they were... You know, if they said they wanted the blue one, I would say, well, I've given you the red one and the red one's the one you've got. But if my grandchildren went, I want the red one, I'd go, oh, how many would you like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get two red ones for you. So um, 
If that's spoiling, I'm not quite sure if that's spoiling, but certainly I give them more choices, allow them, I forgive them more, allow them to make mistakes and do all the things that perhaps I wouldn't have allowed my children. So if that's spoiling, I certainly would say that's okay. But if it's going against what a parent wants so that you want your child, grandchild to love you, no, that's not okay. Yeah, no, fair enough. Well, that leads me on to the next question, uh, Robin. If parents and grandparents have different expectations, this can uh, obviously lead to tension. It can um, lead to tension, David, and I think it's important for the adults to be able to communicate without someone getting in a huff. I was always good at getting in a huff or sulking, (laughs) but now it would be okay for my son-in-law to come to me and say, Um, It would be really good if you didn't give Emmy as much chocolate because we don't want her to be a diabetic when she's older because there's diabetes in the family. And I go, okay, I'll only give her chocolate once a week. (laughs) Is that okay? The ability to have um, the parent give you feedback and not get irritated or frustrated or too afraid to speak back, too afraid to receive feedback isn't that something in the world david that if we could all receive feedback in a gentle way um how much better place would the world be yeah absolutely couldn't agree more mm-hmm. quite right um robin children are not always perfectly well behaved as we know if grandkids misbehave what tips can you pass on to grandparents if they're dealing with a difficult situation mm, so well we could start good question we could start with a tantrum Remember before I talked about when people are in upset, they can't process new information. Thank you, Regina, for that beautiful piece of information. Um, So if they're kicking and screaming on the floor, the old parenting would be just walk away and leave them alone or drag them into another room away from everybody or, you know, something that didn't actually honour whatever it was that's going on for them. So if they're be if you judge a tantrum as behaving badly, what they're doing is they're trying to get something desperately that you don't want them to have and they don't know a better way of trying to get it or ask for it. So their whole world collapses around them to try to get what they want or in total disappointment. So I guess if you couch that as behaving badly, um, then it's a, it becomes a bigger problem that you have to deal with. I've learned from um, having um, grandchildren throw tantrums from time to time that I actually got on the floor and just held them until they were able to stop sobbing and doing whatever it was and then tried to work out what it was they wanted. And if they still couldn't have it, then they couldn't have it. But trying to then work out what it is. So as a child, so there's that age, which yep. is probably easier. I'm like now if they don't, they're old enough not to throw tantrums now, but if they're to throw a tantrum now, I'd actually probably not be as invested, but I would help them learn to manage their emotions. So I think it can that can also go for older children. If they're behaving badly, something's not right in their life. They're, they're missing a life skill. They're missing the ability to do something. So they're using their behaviour as a way of showing you that they're missing a life skill. So as a grandparent, because you're not as invested in it there's a a saying that I used to think that everybody was doing it to me they're just behaving badly they're causing me to have a bad day (laughs) 
yeah. you know, they're not doing it to you. They're just doing it. So you've got to unravel it. And as a grandparent, you're a little bit more patient and you can see what it is you have to unravel and what you have to teach them to turn the behaviour around, David. Okay, no, that makes perfect sense, uh, Robin. So everyone wants to be the best they can be, grandparents, parents and children. You say love underpins all these relationships. Can you expand on this a little bit? You know, my, my passion in life is humanity's heart and are the thoughts, the words, the actions moving us to fill that heart or to drain it? Are we making it a positive life experience where we're all part of the love of humanity? And so when I think about um, the relationships that I have now as a grandparent, I'm thinking about how can I expand this love in the world? So I can expand it by helping my grandchildren and my children be more loving, respectful, kind and generous people. So if I'm resonating love and I'm talking love and my grandchildren are around me, then that's what they're going to mirror. That's how they're going to be in life. But if I'm saying to them, oh, we should love people and we should be kind, and then when I'm having a cup of tea with someone, I'm going, did you know that that woman did that and I didn't really like it? And I don't think she should be like that around people. Like if you're having this gossipy, terrible um, conversations and you're not actually walking your talk but you're trying to teach your grandchildren love, then that's never going to happen, is it, because they're going to mirror however you're really behaving in life. So as a grandparent, if you model love, you speak love, you live love, you show them love, then you're giving them the best building blocks that you can possibly give them to develop um, a wonderful life, David. Yeah, no, absolutely right. It's sad, but we know that uh, in some households, uh, domestic violence is a problem and the, the children see that and uh, some of those kids just don't have the right start in life, do they? You know, Rosina taught me this, that she had a grandmother that even though Rosina had many difficulties in her life, her grandmother always believed in her and she always knew that it was a safe haven to go to her grandma. Her grandmother would stand up for her, would make sure she was safe. So I think as a grandparent, even if there is um, things going on that are unacceptable, you can stand up for your grandchild and you can also make your place safe so that they always know that there's somewhere to go and someone that will believe them, and someone they can speak the truth to, even though the truth might be really painful. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's lovely. Uh, Robin, everyone makes mistakes, uh, some more than others, shall we say. <laughs> but your mantra is, I had to throw that one in, but your <laughs> mantra is, there are no mistakes, only transitions. And I haven't heard that before, transitions. Please explain. Yeah, so it's only something that you're missing. You need to, you need to transition from what you no, don't know to what you know. So um, you drop a glass um, and it smashes and that's because you put the glass on the table. How many children put a glass on the table next to their elbow? Yes, and, many. <laughs> yeah, and the next thing it's on the ground and it's all over the floor and they're in trouble. You know, it, that is just a mistake. It's, it's a gap in their learning. So they put it on the table near their elbow, you move it and you go, if the glass is next to your elbow, it might fall. Or when it falls, you say, I think that might be because it was next to your elbow. So once you've moved it 10 times, then 
they transition to having that knowledge. They already know and it becomes automatic. And that's what we talk about neural pathways. When we do something often enough like driving, putting on your blinker when you're turning a corner, they're automatic responses which come from neural pathways that you've developed over time. So there are no mistakes. When a child makes a mistake, it's a great moment. You can transition from not knowing to knowing. And that's true about everything that they have to learn in life. They start from not knowing and they go to knowing. And we think, but I told them that once already. So as an adult, if I said to you, you have to put your blinker on when you go around a corner, you'll remember that mostly, especially after you've practiced it. But we can't expect children to be told once, not practice it enough to get a neural pathway, a memory that's going to be automatic. So I think we have to afford children enough practice to make something more permanent, to transition from the not knowing to the knowing. Once isn't enough for the developing brain. It has to be several times. And and so we need to be patient and kind and understanding while they're transitioning from whatever it is they don't know to what they do know. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice way of putting it, actually, transitioning. It's a, a soft word. It's not too harsh. And at the end of the day, everyone makes mistakes. We continue to make mistakes until the day we die, basically. That's so true. It is so true. Oh, that's, that's lovely. Now, Robin, um, very interesting podcast, Grandparents, and I'm, a lot of people would uh, be fascinated by this because most of us, except me, are grandparents these days. What are some of the main points to take out of uh, today's podcast, do you think? Well, I think overall I'd like to say that grandparents is the gift of life that your children give back to you. You give your children life and then they give their children life and it's as though they're giving this beautiful gift back to you that can open your heart. I would say that my heart is way more open with every grandchild that I've had and, you know, nearly six now. So when you look at that, they're just such a gift and they're a gift for you to look at yourself and see what it is that you need to learn. So over that 11 years that I've had my um, grandchildren, I've developed even better as a grandmother as that time's gone. So give yourself permission to Um, change, to be more open-hearted, to be more forgiving of them when they make mistakes and to fill their little hearts with love so that they can take that love and give it into the world. And as a grandparent, what you're giving is the chance for the world to be a better place when you leave it than it was when you began your life as a child. So overall, be kind, be open-hearted, walk the um, path between all your children and grandchildren and son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws. Try to be compassionate and empathetic and understanding to who they are in the world and how they want to bring up their children and what your role can be in their family unit, which may be different amongst all your um, family members. So you don't have to be... um, you, you can still stand for who you are, but make sure that it doesn't compromise who your um, children are in the world and just enjoy every minute because being a grandparent really is such a beautiful, precious part of life. 
beautiful sentiments, Robin. I think the other key word there is enjoy. Enjoy your grandchildren uh, because they are precious. Oh, I love my grandchildren so much. They are the most precious things on the planet. That's lovely. I'm sure I'll get to experience it one day. So if my son is listening, I can't (laughs) wait to be a grandparent. (laughs) Robin, it's been lovely talking to you again. Thank you, David. That was really enjoyable. Okay. Bye for now. Bye.